And good evening. This is the Tech Travel Geeks podcast. This is episode number eight, recorded on the week of the 1st of October 2018. And apologies to those of you who were expecting an episode last week. We've just got back. Welcome back, Lukash. Hi, Matteo. How's it going? Good, good, thanks. So you're, you're back. Welcome back. Yeah, I'm just back from a trip to China. It was a lovely trip. Spent two weeks all around China and went to Hong Kong as well. So, awesome. So, I, but from your Instagram, I can see a lot of very good food. Oh yeah, that's the best best part for me. Uh, well, one of the best parts. But um, I love me some dim sum. This is yes. one of my favorite foods. So, uh, dumplings in uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, some great food in Yangshuo, which is the mountain area near Guilin. Um, and yeah, everywhere, basically, where I, where I went, I had some good food. So in addition to the views and the people, good yeah. stuff. I'm, I'm just a bit disappointed you didn't bring anyone in the office some prawn crackers back. But that's uh, just me. You can get them here. And how about your travels? You're just back from the US? Yes. So uh, my better half and I had a road trip up and down the northwestern coast of California. So we drove up from San Francisco up to Crescent City and into Oregon and back and had a pretty awesome time. And not only did we have a great road trip, which involved lots of good food, lots of good beer and wine, horse riding, I also got to go and visit some tech companies out there and uh, went to the Twit studio for an episode of All About Android. So thanks to the Twit crew for having me on as a guest again. I took the Mate 20 Lite, which is just about to have a review go live on techtravelgeeks.com. And uh, we have sample videos, sample albums all ready to go. So great device, great mid-range device. You can read the full review on techtravelgeeks.com. So yeah, that was. we're both back. And not only are we back, we also have uh, some extra news we have a new team member tech travel geeks is expanding and our expansion is majid welcome majid hi there mateo hi there uh, lucas nice to uh, be invited on and I, I, whenever i hear the word expansion i can just think of weight gain so <laughs> <laughs> you. so you know it's kind of like I am happy that we're expanding, but we're not getting fat. Although, having said that, all that dim sum must have been... Uh... Yeah, I tried to walk as much as I could. <laughs> but I can, I can imagine that um, there'll be a lot of walking, I suppose, wouldn't there? Around, that, uh, around them paths. Yeah, I, try, I, I tried to walk as much as I could. It's, it was good fun. Good. So, uh, Majid, let's start off with you. Who are you? Where are you from? Okay, so I am a, what I would like to call myself, the atypical British person in general. I have I have a myriad of backgrounds, which leads to very confusing situations when, so you're from India? No, you're from Britain? No, what? So you, but your surname's Arab, but what? A? What? A? <laughs> okay. You know, uh, something that I can imagine that Matteo also can... Uh, relate to, you know, being Scottish, Italian, British, something 
and you know Lukash as well you know being Polish but based in UK and all that sort of stuff so you know for, so that's me personally the other reason I'm a I'm atypical is that I am definitely a technology geek but I am not actually involved in the technology in industry uh, in a way that a lot of other podcasters or people who write for websites, blogs, YouTube videos, whatever are. I'm a medical doctor by profession. I'm a, uh, I work as an anesthetist. So basically my job is to keep you alive while the surgeon is trying to simultaneously cure you and kill you, and which actually involves quite a lot of technology. And I often wonder whether my you know, whether it's a self-selecting group that the people who are interested in technology and kind of nerdy things end up in a field of medicine where there's lots of technology. I use lots of machines, ventilators, life support machines, all that sort of stuff. You know, I've the, the, the sim, a similar allegory can be made with orthopedic surgeons. I need nearly all of them are DIY, DIY men. <laughs> you know? so it you know it does seem that so the uh, analogy i think probably holds true so from that sense i'm atypical um i'm not atypical in the sense that i am interested in many of the staples of uh, geek nerddom so whether that's science fiction whether that's android whether that's linux whether that's smartphones whether that's laptops etc 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 uh, gaming is the one thing that I used to do a lot when I was younger, and I. But sometime in the mid '90s, I discovered heavy metal and girls, and so <laughs> this was around the same time the Sony PlayStation first Sony PlayStation uh, came out. So I didn't get back into gaming until I was much much older, and found myself multiple generations behind. <laughs> so that's good, good, good mix: heavy metal and girls. Well yes. Done. Yes. Well, I mean, I had interest in heavy metal and girls. That doesn't mean there were many girls, unfortunately. <laughs> so, um, it's funny you mention heavy metal because Lukash, you've just booked some travel related to heavy metal. Tell us about that. Yeah. Let me try. Is my microphone working fine now? It is. Okay. Yes. There's less back okay. background noise. Cool. Uh, so yes, I just booked the most epic holiday ever. It's called 70,000 Tons of Metal. It's a cruise which takes you from Miami, uh, Florida to Haiti, uh, uh, to the Caribbean. But you take it on a cruise ship with 60 bands, heavy, heavy metal, like sometimes extreme metal. Um, one of them is Soulfly, which is one of my favorite bands. So uh, there's 60 bands, 28 are announced uh, so far and 3000 metal fans so yes this this will be epic uh, this is in end of january february next year and um, yeah that should be quite some quite some trip that sounds great so you have that in common with majid and let's put it this way we have ticked a box in the diversity in the diversity world by having an English person part of the team now. <laughs> You're half English. English, Scottish, who knows, but no. I mean, no, I mean, that is a, it's ironic, isn't it, really? Um, it reminds me kind of of the time when I first, I've been podcasting for a couple of years and people who've heard me on previous podcasts will know that I, for a long time, I lived in the northeast of England, you know, Newcastle, Sunderland, that area. And uh, the first time that I went up there, 
I uh, I remember going into a it was for my job it was for my job uh, for a job interview, and I remember going into a cafe and asking uh, the pretty blonde girl behind the counter, you know, for basically a you know a sandwich and a cup of tea, and she kind of went, "You're on you're what? Excuse me, what? You're on you're what? What?" And I was about because I looked at her and no offense, Lukash, but I looked at her. And I thought, she's very blonde. She's very pale. I can't understand her. She's got a weird accent. I wonder if she's Polish. Yeah. And just as these thoughts were going through my mind, the it seems like the interpretive part of my brain realized that actually what she was saying in a thick Geordie accent was, do I want Flora on my role? <laughs> and I thought to myself, now here's a multicultural irony that the, Brit that the British Indian stock English whatever uh, who's come up from Birmingham for a job interview in Newcastle thinks because he can't understand the girl behind the counter that she's the immigrant <laughs> <laughs> um, it, to be fair the, the UK has a very wide variety of very heavy accents throughout the country throughout yeah. the United Kingdom and it's one of the big technical challenges to a company like Amazon or Google who have digital assistant mm. uh, assistance voice assistants that need to be trained to use these subsets of the English language it's much easier in a country like the US and Canada where it's pretty hom homogenous in terms of the accents and the language Whereas the UK, even just between Edinburgh and Glasgow, 40 miles, there's an enormous linguistic divide I agree with you, but I might also slightly uh, play devil's advocate there in that there's a lot more data for a company like Amazon or Apple or whoever's doing their voice assistance to sift through. You know, there's 350 million people living in North America, you know, however it's defined. So there's a lot more data and a lot more things that can be put into the algorithm. We are a nation of 60 million people and we have, you know, even more diversity, as you rightly say, but that doesn't give them as much data to deal with. Having gone from one uh, crazy accent, I'm now back in Birmingham, but actually working in Wolverhampton. And oh, I tell you one thing, in, in Wolverhampton, they don't all speak weird, so weird that the other day, and I'm not joking about this, the other day, I saw a documentary and they were interviewing people from this area and they actually put subtitles. Very good. <laughs> there is actually a Guardian uh, uh, piece about um, Brexit and whatever and they came and they interviewed some people around here and yes, they had to put subtitles down. Because <laughs> couldn't understand the language. <laughs> Very good. So that that's one thing uh, we bring you bring to the table is uh, not only your actual English accent, but a wide variety of in interpretations of the English language. Lots of different accents. Excellent. Obviously, you, you mentioned you'd just been living in the north. I understand you've had a life changing event recently. Yes, I have had a life changing event. I have uh, moved and uh, sold my and finally sold my house. Uh, which had been a big millstone around my neck, as you can imagine, paying a mortgage and uh, paying rent somewhere else with a family and whatever was a big uh, headache on me. And the first thing that came to mind after you know the whole thing went through was, you know what, I need a holiday, which ties 
quite well into this podcast, doesn't it? It does. Because unfortunately, I haven't been doing as much traveling as I'd like. Part of that has been, you know, the current financial situation. But also, you know, you guys, lucky, unlucky, whatever you want to say, traipsing kids around when you want to travel is interesting. It is. It's definitely a life changer. And so, so for example, when Lucas, you're saying about, you know, your heavy metal cruise, I would love to do such a thing. It would be just so brilliant. And then the thought of, okay, who's going to sort the kids out? And the wife doesn't like heavy metal. And okay, so do I go on my own? Then she's going to get, do you see what I mean? A lot of uh, things. But I still believe I can bring something to the, um, something to the tech travel team. Uh, I've had a, I've had quite a few um, interesting thoughts about technology and travel actually during today. As ironically, I was actually traveling uh, down to London and back for a conference on obstetric anesthesia, which is just basically a fancy way of saying pregnant ladies. Very good, and reducing their pain and putting them to sleep before surgery. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. So uh, really, really, really complicated and important stuff. Yes. Indeed. Thank you very much for your service through the NHS. <laughs> thank you very much. Admiral profession. Admiral. Yes, thank you very much. It's uh, you know it's nice to get a, only a semi semi ironic well done for a change rather than <laughs> the usual sarcastic. Oh, well done. You're in the NHS. Wow. Well, no, no. <laughs> the, Is it your fault that my 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 GP's got, got an appointment? <laughs> No, the, the the NHS is something that uh, is is a bit of a national treasure in the UK, and obviously there are challenges with it, but it delivers a great service, and it's one of those things that, in a way, is one of the reasons I live in the UK. Well, that's very it, that's great to hear. It's always good to have a satisfied customer. Great, thank you. So, uh, Majid. You have joined the team, and obviously you said you're a bit of a a geek. You and I used to do stuff at coolsmartphone.com. What are you going to be covering for the tech travel geeks, apart from things such as, say, national travel in the UK and your preferred mobile things? What what sort of things will you be covering? Well, um, there's a couple of uh, things that I have in the pipeline. Battery anxiety is something which it's, it's a made up term, but the idea that, um, you know, we are so now dependent on our smartphones that when they start running out of charge, you get, we do actually get physical anxiety symptoms. You know, um, there is an element of truth to that. One way that companies deal with this is with putting big batteries in their phone. And another, another way is by uh, having fast charging solutions. And I'm very lucky in that I I have a device, the OnePlus 6, which has dash charge, which having used a lot of these quick charging methods, whether it's quick charge through Qualcomm's different standards or Huawei supercharge, still keep coming back to dash charge as the fastest charging solution I have ever seen. It never fails to surprise me. I got home today from... um, with 1% battery life, I put in the dash charger in. I literally went off, had something to eat, came back 20 minutes later, 51%. Yeah, um, that, that's a, a great, great feature. And one that most modern devices have now, even in the mid-range or the low end of the range. Yeah. So do you mind if we call you Emily? Emily? 
Yes. Um, Lukesh will get this. Uh, the one dash charge is the proprietary uh, charging solution from OnePlus. Yeah. And there is a series of very informative YouTube videos from someone who probably Lukesh can pronounce her surname, who is not only a very clever lady, but also very attractive, which no doubt attracted a lot of a lot of interest in this dash charged solution. So Lukasz, can you say her surname? Uh, Radajkowski would be the Polish pronunciation. Radajkowski is what Americans or Brits would say, I guess. Yes. Yeah, so, so she, she, I might just have to go down a YouTube rabbit hole at this moment in time. Instagram, <laughs> Instagram. Yes. So essentially, uh, Majid is actually our Emily at Tech Travel Geeks from now on. So whenever I, I, I you, whenever, like I always like that name, Emily. Yes. So from from now on, whenever you're talking about rapid charging, quick charging, or dash charge, we will refer to you as Emily, if you don't mind. That's absolutely fine. You know, you know, you know what happens on the you know the podcast stays on the podcast. Exactly. It's it's only those live viewers and those watching the event after the the time on YouTube, and downloading the Tech Travel Geeks podcast from Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, and wherever else you get your good podcasts. Obviously, you can subscribe to Tech Travel Geeks and subscribe on YouTube as well. So if you're already a subscriber, thank you. If you haven't done so yet, we still have an open competition on one of our YouTube videos to give away a Pyrex mobile safe. Lukash, have you been using that during your travels? Uh, not much, to be honest. Uh, they don't have too many chances. I didn't use a SIM, uh, a Chinese SIM. I only, I only used mine. Uh, my idea was not to be dependent on the phone all the time. So while walking around the beautiful Chinese uh, views or while walking on the on the Great Wall, I didn't want to be checking my Instagram every five minutes. So I just uh, used my internet at uh, at the, the office at the hotels very good and did you have a, a chance to visit any of our offices in china and uh, no no i yeah. tried to make it as non-work as possible just <laughs> relax uh which was good very good um yeah so good foods good travels i'm sure you met a lot of great people and will you be writing about that on techtravelgeeks.com uh, yeah, I'll I'll do I'll do some posts. I'll also upload to Instagram some of the best photos I took. So yeah, yes. So your your main camera whilst you're away, what what was it, Lukash? Uh, for photos, it was the Samsung S9 Plus, uh, which is my favorite phone and uh, a fantastic camera. I really enjoy taking photos with it, and um, I've taken a few photos with my Panasonic Lumix GH5 which is like um, almost a professional, uh, especially video camera, but it's such a such um, a hassle to take photos on it, take good photos and then upload them anywhere. So I just use use the use this, the phone for video though. There's not many cameras which can rival the GH5. So I've been using it. Yeah. Uh, plus just, just to clarify, um, you, you, you use Panasonic and Leica lenses. And you don't have a hassle with Hasselblad lenses. No, uh, <laughs> I and I I could have hassle with Hasselblad if I upgraded my drone to the Mavic 2 Pro, 
which now has a Hasselblad lens, uh, but I've not updated yet because mm, the, the Mavic Air, which I have, is so small. Uh, it's just just the perfect size. So yes, yeah. and you did post a very good video to your personal channel of flying over some river and lake areas in China, which is really really impressive. Yeah, the Li River in uh, Guilin in Yangshuo. It's such a view. I've not edit, not published this video yet. I might publish it also. I share it on Tech Travel Geeks uh, to show off the Mavic's capabilities because it's just beautiful. It is. It's a fantastic, uh, fantastic video uh, and really cool uh, footage. So we'll link to that in the description to this podcast once it's published and in the description to the YouTube video. So expect a few posts from Lukash regarding his trip travels in China, some tips and tricks of how to make the most of your travels in China, and also some uh, reviews and tips and tricks from myself about road tripping in the US. Obviously, I had I've, this is not the first time I've done it, but there are a few extras that I learned this time around, such as... Um, if you're going to get a pay-as-you-go SIM card from a T-Mobile US store, just pay cash. Don't bother with a credit or debit card because their system is quite crashy and will will essentially crash when you try using a foreign credit card and they may double charge you if charge you once on your credit card and then charge you cash. It's just a bit of a hassle that I went through in T-Mobile. I spent a few hours in the store trying to get this rectified or over the course of a couple of days. But the stuff in the Santa Rosa T-Mobile store came to the rescue and actually got the problem sorted after a while. So, yeah, if you're that's getting a lo local... That's interesting stuff that you're saying, actually, because I am, having said all that I'm not the biggest traveler amongst you, I am actually going to North America for the first time uh, in December. I've never visited the continent before. I'm going for another anesthesia conference in New York. And um, I'll be very interested to, uh, to see what you reckon as someone who has been many times to the States, what the virgin traveler, and, and I mean that in the, not in the ad sense, but in the first time sense, you okay. know, to um, America should do. Um, I'm on a three contract. I understand that it's it's one of the feel at home destinations. It is if you are a if you are an advanced plan user. Okay. Uh, essential, I think I am. essential plan users do not get feel at home in the US. Mm -hmm. So be aware of that. But yes, um I have five active contract SIM cards with three UK for that specific reason. I can go on holiday to the US and use my phones uh, as much as I like. But it's a UK number, so when you travel to the US, your phone calls to UK numbers and text messages to UK numbers are come out of your allowance. It's just as if you were in the UK. Whereas if you try and text a US number, you'll be paying the international SMS transaction. Oh, okay. So it gets quite expensive. So the advantage of having a local SIM card is to be able to call a local company if uh, you're not going to be routing the call over the internet, it's to be able to send a text message to a local person 
it's it is an advantage when traveling. Uh, it depends on how long you're there and what your plans are, but that's one of the the ways of of having a better travel experience is to be able to communicate locally uh, with locals at no extra cost to yourself or them. I mean, on uh, previous trips to India, I've always, you know, bought a local SIM because it was never really an option, you know, using the UK, whatever provider you were with. So I'm used to picking up local SIMs. It's only recently with the Feel at Home uh, program that three have been doing that uh, I've kind of dialed that back down. Now, I have a OnePlus 6, which is a, techn- which is a d- dual SIM phone. So would I uh, be able to have a UK and a US SIM and how, you know, that, that's, some, that's one of the things I'm going to, you know, see how that works and see how yeah. that's going to, yeah, uh, pan out. That, that's a great thing to do. So one of the things to be aware of is that uh, if you're roaming from the UK in the US, your UK SIM cards uh, doesn't perform as quickly as it would if it were a local SIM card. There's a lot of tunneling back to the UK and some extra activities. You won't automatically connect to 4G networks depending mm. on, on capacity of the network in the place you are. It's a complicated thing, but having a local SIM is obviously a big advantage. And T-Mobile US is a GSM network, so your SIM card from T-Mobile US will work with your OnePlus 6 in this case. And for $30, that's $30, you get 2 gigabytes of unlimited 4G, so a full 2 gigabytes. I believe 100 minutes and unlimited SMS and once you run out of your two gigabytes, it doesn't completely stop you from accessing on the internet. You just go down to Edge, uh, which is still functional for using basic things like Google and Google Maps. I've heard that public Wi-Fi is a lot more uh, available in the US compared to the the UK. Is that true, or is that just a, again a, a more of a city rural divide like we have here? I think, yes, it's, it's it's pretty much, there's a lot more Wi-Fi available in more places. I think that's also a way of p- making up for the fact that the cellular infrastructure in the US is not that good. Uh, realistically, you can be in the center of a town, the reception can be terrible, the s- internet speed, though you can have full 4G reception, the internet speed may be very slow because they just don't have the backhaul to serve that cell. It's it's quite sad to see that the US, one of these technology-leading countries, uh, in a way due to technological decisions they have made in the past, at the moment they're not in a great place uh, when it comes to cellular connectivity. It, it, Despite it's, what it's the, an the, point now. It's an interesting point now because whenever I've been to India, that uh, I've got a trip coming up to India coming up soon as well. I found that it was the cellular connectivity, the cellular speeds, whatever you are, you know, all those metrics that you just discussed just now were far and beyond what you'd expect. You yes. would be in the middle of rural Karnataka and you would have a 3G connection. You will be, you know, it, it, it was often easier to have a 4G, 3G hotspot going on in your house 
that you're connecting to than you know proper landline ADCL ADSL broadband like we have in this country. You know everything is mobile. Everything everything has a SIM card in it. You know every you know it's very it's, diffi it's difficult to find a tablet without a SIM card. You know yeah. obviously or you know the most most uh, phones are dual SIM. The 4G connectivity as well. I mean, basically, at one point, one of the um, retailers was basically just giving 4G SIMs out for free, basically, to try to, you know, to get adoption going. And it's a country of 1.2 billion people. You know, there's, um, you know, they can't build roads properly. They can't build, you know, uh, sewage properly, um, infrastructure. But somehow, when it comes to this, they're just miles ahead. Well, that's a simple thing, as in they learned from the mistakes that had been made in places like Europe in the US. Their rollout of uh, 3G and 4G connectivity is much more efficient because they didn't have to go through that evolution phase. And not only that, they then also skipped the whole thing of having to wire houses infrastructure such as wiring telecommunications cables to buildings is very, very expensive. Put up a 3G or 4G mast and you serve the same area with a lot less infrastructure cost. Slightly more in terms of maintaining it, but it's still an easy leapfrog technologically. Mm. A lot of places globally are skipping the whole wired connectivity. They're moving straight to 4G. Yeah, And what you just described uh, is also available in London for a lot of people. It's easier and more efficient to have a 4G home internet connection because of the cost of, because of that cost of infrastructure. But it's I, interesting I, to say that about India. Yeah, I mean, it kind of reminds me of the analogy of one of the first times I ever drove to London, I don't know, 15 years ago, something like that. And I remember driving and looking, you know, this is in the days before Saturn Avenue, so I actually looked at the map to figure out how where I was I was going. And uh, I figured out that, you know, the main thing I needed to do was go on the M1 and then the A1. And I remember getting into the A1 near central London and say, thinking, this spindly little road is the A1, the, <laughs> a road that goes all the way to Edinburgh. Yes. A I didn't understand. And then it kind of hit me later that these things have kind of grown organically. You know, if you were to sit down and make it now, then obviously you'd build a three lane, you know, super highway, you know, uh, connecting London to all the other uh, city, um, you know, cities on route all the way up to Edinburgh. But that's not the way it was. It started off organically and the boroughs kind of came and came in and but it was a small Roman trading route, which then got expanded, and then this, that, and the other, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, it, it's a case of you're starting off at a, uh, at a, with a clean slate. You haven't got all this baggage to deal with. Fun, yeah. fa fun fact, I just live above A1. It's just <laughs> in front of my flat. I can all right. see cars on the A1. All right. In in, yeah. pre in previous episodes of the Tech Travel Geeks podcast, I've had to edit out ambulances and cars going back and past in the background. You're well, I, well, I used to live near the A1 as well, but that was Junction 57, <laughs> you know, near, <laughs> um, just before you get to Newcastle. So, yeah, we're, we're more in common than you think, eh, Lukash? <laughs> Heavy metal on the A1. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> 
So, um, apart from the tip of going to India and getting a local sim, what other travel tips do you have for us? I think uh, being realistic with what you are attempting to achieve on your trip is a uh, important. Um, I mean, what you what you're expecting from your technology. If you are in when we're talking about skipping of generations, I skipped digital cameras. You know, I had film cameras, and then I just made sure that whichever smartphone I bought, I bought when smartphones came out, I bought them with the best camera. You know, so I've always had, uh, so I've had you know Galaxy S8, S6, S6 uh, X6, whatever you know, previous uh, phones. You know, I always looked at the camera quality, and that was my bar. Uh, originally when I was buying smartphones and if you take so say for example Galaxy S6 which is uh, which I took to India the last time I went you know I had a fantastic camera this was back a couple of years ago fantastic camera obviously you've got great lighting conditions in a warm dry sunny country such as that unsurprisingly my battery would die very quickly why well because I was taking about 100 photos a day <laughs> you know and you know, you, uh, I think, you know, having a realistic expectation of what you're going to manage with the um, with the technology that you have when you're traveling and therefore thereby taking adequate steps. So, for example, if you know you're going to be taking a lot of photos, then maybe actually having a two phone strategy rather than having a dual SIM strategy might be better for you, you know, where you where you ha where you use one of them as your dedicated camera and you use one as your dedicated messaging device. I've only recently got onto the multi-device bandwagon. Um, I've, I've been, you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum to Matteo with his 75 different different phones. You know, I'm, you know, m my wife is still looking at me very sternly for the fact that I've got two phones. I mean, admittedly, I also have two laptops, two tablets as well and a desktop so i can kind of see where she's coming from but i mean <laughs> so we're expecting the upcoming tech travel geeks viral youtube video to be two smartphones one anesthetist yes 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 that's it. <laughs> how many how many uh, in fact one of the surgeons that i work with in fact i'm going to be working with him tomorrow is a is a very much a luddite he's a real luddite he's a real technophobe his idea, you know, he was like, uh, my phone's battery is going off a bit. I think I might order the parts and unscrew it and this and that. And you'd like, what phone have you got? And he's like got some Samsung from 2007 or something like this, you know, pre-Android, pre-smartphone and all this. He's a real Luddite. And he looks at me and I'm sat there, you know, at lunchtime with my two, two phones out, my mobile hotspot going and my, you know, laptop, you know, catching up on admin and he kind of just looks at me as if I'm some kind of weird animal from the future and I kind of look at him as if he's some kind of weird animal from the past. Um, that, that's good Good to hear that some people are still holding out because that's always the sort of person when something does go wrong with technology end up phoning you saying help I can need help yes. and yeah that's a, a common thing but then again they make a conscious decision nowadays to try and stay away from it uh, which is perfectly fine when traveling that might actually be an advantage such as lucas he chose not to get a local chinese sim card and actually enjoy his experience in china yeah i've uh, i have done that purposefully as well when i've gone to visit certain monuments uh or certain archaeology you know archaeology you know sites of interest 
historic sites of interest, wherever they may be. You know, I have made a conscious decision to keep my phone off so that I actually sit and enjoy and wonder at what it is that I'm seeing, you know, rather than take a photo of it. It's interesting how taking a photo of it is kind of like proof of it happening. You know, it didn't <laughs> used to be, it didn't kind of used to be like that, you know. True. Photo didn't happen, yeah. You That's know, rather anything. Yeah, and I mean, and it wasn't that long ago. I mean, so I, uh, Mateo would be used to the fact that I go off on tangents. Um, I had an inter went off on an interesting tan, uh, not tangent, an interesting talk today at this conference. That I was talking about, I was talking about how you're training the next generation of doctors, the next generation of anesthetists, surgeons, whatever. And it was talking about talking about the gen generation theory. You know, the idea that when it comes to technology and education, different generations behave differently and you think well of course that's obvious isn't it but there's more nuance to it so for example she gave the example of millennials so anybody conveniently under the age of 38 which is annoying because I'm 38 and you know these are people who can multitask very quickly who would uh, you know uh, their first instinct in communication would be an email or a whatsapp message or a social media post the generation before, which you could call Generation X, which is us guys born in the 80s, maybe. Uh, well, at least me and Mateo. I'm not sure about Luca. In, no, uh, I think technically millennials are anyone born in 1982 and after. So technically, I just come into the millennial category. Yeah, well, you see, I'm just technically just out of it. But I think experientially, you know, uh, let me, uh, you know, what was your first phone, for example? It was probably a, a, one of those... Uh, Nokia 3310s and stuff like this. Am I oh, right? No, I, I was long before that. I was an Ericsson GA series device uh, before okay. the days of GSM. This was yeah. tax. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, okay. Analog signals. Yes. Yeah. So, therefore, uh, in our generation, when it comes to technology and education standpoint, if we want to get something done, our first instinct is to talk to someone. You know, right. our first in instinct is to ring, you know, and we might text, you know, but that's our first instinct. I need to get something done. Okay, give me the, what's their phone number? Whilst, you know, younger people, not that much younger, younger people would, their first thing would be, what's their email address? You know, yes. and, then, I, and, and then the so-called, you know, kind of generation before us, you know, they'd always be looking for stuff in paper. So even though my mother has a smartphone and knows perfectly well how to use it and whatsapp calls me and video calls me and stuff like that whenever she's trying to find out find a plumber she'll get her yellow pages out even though it's all it's all there on google on her phone no that, that's very interesting so that especially becomes relevant in travel is as we mentioned and as lukesh mentioned picture it didn't happen happen is the experience of travel nowadays is going to be tied very tightly to social media and interacting with those at home of sharing that experience but also having a constant communication channel with those close to you mm -hmm. and that also affects people who move away from their original hometown or home country such as what Lukash and I have done is that despite being living thousands of kilometers or miles away from our families back home, we probably speak to them a lot more than we would have in our age group had we been living in the same town. 
because we have we that technology enables us to do it. So yeah, and, it's and, not and not just the so physical travel is making this world smaller. The technology is enabling that to happen with less friction. Yeah, some interesting behaviors though. Have you not noticed? Like, if you travel somewhere, so, so for example, I went to London today, and I had an instinct to message one of my uh, you know friends who lives in that area. Hey, how are you doing? How's life? Where you know I'm down here, and I thought to myself, you know what? I could have messaged that person. Actually, I didn't even say let meet up or anything like that. I was just kind of I had the instinct of, hey, how are you doing? How's life? Because I was geographically in the same space as that person, even though digitally I've always been at that connection has always been there. Do you kind of see what I mean? Yes, but this becomes a what made you do that was the fact you're in the area and that reminded you of that person's existence, or you associate the area with the person, therefore you thought it would be easier to communicate because you were closer. See, we're doing the deep stuff here. This is what to expect of Majid joining Tech Travel Geeks. We're turning into a philosophy podcast now. Fun fact, yeah. I'm a philosophy major, so... Are you? Seriously? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. brilliant! <laughs> I did a master's in philosophy, so... That's, oh, wow! That's what, uh, uh, what kind of uh, philosophy are you, um, ma- uh, you know, you're doing your thesis and stuff on? Well, I started with Greek, which was my favorite, uh, but then I moved, I did more modern uh, philosophy. I did a British and English philosopher called uh, Derek Parfit. Okay. Is, oh, it's actually quite your area. Uh, he's into personal identity, but he's also into, the, there was some medical experimentation about, you know, what makes a person a person. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like transplantations or teleportation, stuff like that, Matrix uh, or Star Trek, which is All right. Mateo's uh, cup of tea. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that was my... Oh, that's interesting. We should, uh, we're, we're, we should conti- uh, continue that discussion uh, off-air. I'd be very interested to hear what you... Well, we, we don't necessarily need to continue that off-air. So if anyone listening is would be interested in uh, tech travel philosophy geek podcast <laughs> let us know in the youtube comments or let us know on twitter we can have it as a set we can have it as a segment philosophy bit of the week i think that to do it properly we need a proper hour-long show usually done on a thursday evening in front of a glass of something a fireplace maybe smoking a pipe and we can seriously investigate the philosophical boundaries of geekery, travel, and technology. Yeah. Uh, we, we could also do it from multiple perspectives. So we'll leave this to our listeners. Leave us a comment on the Tech Travel Geeks YouTube video you might be watching this on, or leave us a tweet at Tech Travel Geeks. And if you think that the Tech Travel Geeks philosophy podcast is a thing, uh, we will make that happen. We're very open to feedback. We think it's an excuse to have more T-shirts made up. So do please get let us know if you think that a Tech Travel Geeks philosophy podcast is a thing. But as you see, this is what uh, Majid and I are used to. Uh, we tend to go off the rails, to use a travel analogy. And, <laughs> and well done. Well done. Keep... You said no pun intended. 
<laughs> well, it was it, intended. It, it was intended. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is uh, what Majid brings to the table. And as you mentioned, your phobia of 0% battery on your smart devices when traveling. Man, you know, I eked out 5% battery from the Royal College of Physicians to Walsall Town Centre. I kept my phone going because, because the carriage that I was in on the train didn't have a plug, so I couldn't use my favourite dash charge. So I found out all the tricks, black and white screen, aeroplane mode, you know, dimness all the way down. You know, and I, I, yeah, I got five percent to last me two hours. Wow! So that opens us up. Obviously, you you should be the one of the most appropriate people to review power banks as well and how they perform with quick charge, power delivery, and dash charge and supercharge. All these different standards and what they mean to people traveling. You know, I've never had a power bank. You've not. I've um, never had a power bank. I've got an interesting, actually, I'm not sure, Matteo, if I showed you this. I've got a new power bank, and it's wireless. Yes, that seems to be a, a trend. A few years ago, it was to have a solar panel in your power bank. Mm -hmm. Now they're using the Qi wireless standard, so you yeah. don't have to bother with cables and all that. Yeah. It is slightly more inefficient in the sense that you will waste some of the power. So mm -hmm. if you have a 10,000 milliamp power power bank, you can expect to charge a 3,000 milliamp hour battery two and a half times with a cable. It's going to be closer to one and a half times using your wireless charging. But it's very convenient, as in you don't have to have that cable, you don't have to mess around or trip over it. Yeah. It's a Mophie, Mophie device, so it's quite good. Um, I found it, found it useful in my tra travels. So yeah. When it comes to battery life, what I would really love is laptops with you know arm processors having you know super massive battery life like as has been kind of you know the, over the last couple of months you know there's been a couple of hp devices running snapdragon chipsets which allegedly have give you 22 hours of battery life compared you know to what you normally get with a normal intel um that that would be a that would be something I would I'd love to see it happen. It is happening. It's happening soon. There are still some events that we haven't heard of, of product launches. Uh, speaking of product launches, uh, I'm going to be in London next week for a Huawei Honor event. Oh, nice so one. We will see what's announced there. Then the week after, I'll be back in London for the Huawei event, where most people think that a Huawei Mate 20 Pro will be announced. So I, I used to have the Mate 10 Pro, and if we're talking about battery life, that had epic battery life, but with some significant concessions. Yes, but for for many people, the two key things they want from a smartphone, the two most important things, are battery life and camera. Everything else, most people don't need a super high-end chipset. They don't want to play games on it. The two main things people want nowadays are battery life and camera. So who knows? Hopefully Huawei can deliver. There's a lot of very interesting news on that, but uh, we'll wait till the official announcement and then discuss it here on the Tech Travel Geeks podcast and on our site, techtravelgeeks.com. For me, the third one is the screen. I like a nice, nice big screen. 
uh, especially for Netflix and, and YouTube, because I'm a bit too addicted to YouTube. Uh, but on this subject, uh, Majid, what's your uh, device of choice? Uh, no, uh, the phone uh, of choice? Or the so, so the phone that I have at the moment um, and the one that I'm likely to be keeping um, is the OnePlus 6. Uh, I absolutely love it. Um, I, it's the software that I'm loving the best. I mean, uh, Oxygen OS with Android 9, Pi, it's just, it runs beautifully. The performance is great. It does everything I need it to do as a communications device. I have a secondary phone, which is a Galaxy Note 5, which I had to import in because I wanted to see whether uh, I would be a, a stylus user. Not really a stylus user, but I must say, even a three-year-old Samsung screen is pretty good. Um, I have been trying to, I have been on the quest for the perfect Windows laptop for five years now. And I think I finally found it. And I'm actually planning to do a little bit of a, uh, a mini review uh, because of its portability. It's the Lenovo Mix 510, which is basically a Surface clone, which I'm using to, for podcasting now, which I take to work, which I um, I, I can actually, it's actually such a good screen. I can actually, I actually enjoy watching Netflix on it as well. So I have, uh, I have a, when it comes to the, from the portability point of view, I have a couple of things. The one thing I wish I used more, but I don't, is my Android tablet. I kind of don't know why I don't, because every time I do, it's a joy. <laughs> but I don't know why. I, I sometimes think, I sometimes wonder whether it's because it doesn't have a data connectivity. You know, if I'd had a, Android tablet with a SIM and I was out and about, I think that would work out better. I think being tied to Wi-Fi, even though you can enable your own hotspot, I don't know, it just seems to, it's just, I've, I've had a lot of Android tablets and I've loved nearly every single one of them. And yet I never use them as much as I think I will. That's why I now, both actually, both me and Matteo are now uh, Surface users. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I've been using the Surface Book 2, uh, which is just just brilliant. And it's a two-in-one, so you can make it a tablet or or a full uh, laptop, even up to video editing, because it's an a, a i7 with a good graphics card. I, I, would have, I would have loved a Surface Book 2 if I could have afforded it. You know, unlike a rich you know, philosophy major, I'm just a poor medical doctor. You know? <laughs> and so therefore I, the, one of the reasons that I went for this Lenovo is even though it's a core i3 uh, with four gig of RAM, it came with the type cover and the stylus, all of which for 500 quid. So as a package, I thought, I mean, I, was, I, I wasn't a hundred percent sure about it. I remember when I bought it, I was a bit like, mm, but, it's uh, it's been the perfect device for me traveling around and you know and you know unhook the keyboard bit off just sit and watch Better Call Saul on Netflix or Vikings as a, which is the box that I'm going through at the minute on Amazon it's just brilliant that's really really interesting to hear so I just uh, purchased this Microsoft Surface Go in the eight gigabyte RAM configuration okay and I'm very very happy with it. I got the type cover, the stylus. Uh, one of the interesting things was, obviously, it comes with Windows 10 S, yeah. which is sort of limited to the Microsoft Store version of Windows. And for some reason, I was 
going to be charged £119 to upgrade it to uh, Windows 10 Pro using my UK uh, Hotmail account. And when I switched to my US one, the upgrade was free, which was very odd. I've got it all sorted out. I've got Audacity on now. I actually would like to make a public apology to uh, Miriam Joir of the Mobile Tech Podcast. Apologies, Miriam. Uh, I was a guest on her podcast uh, last week, recording from my Surface Go with a pair of very inexpensive earphones with microphone and caused her a lot of editing issues uh, with background noise and clicking. This was mainly due to the low quality of the headphones I was using. But next time I will plug in via USB and make sure that uh, I have Audacity installed rather than recording with apps from the Windows Store, which are surprisingly limited and not really fit for purpose for what I need to do on the go with my Surface. Yeah, it, uh, I, I think it's a good idea. Desktop app stores have only really worked well, I would say, in Linux. I don't think the Mac App Store has been anywhere near as successful as the iOS App Store has. The Microsoft, obviously, this is their first stab at it. Having a package manager and repository software center is something that various Linux distributions have been doing for about 10, at least at least 10 years, if not longer. I think Linux Mint had one back in 2006. Um, so that, and they have also now these containerized applications, what they call them, uh, flat packs and snaps. So, you know, it's, it's like a one-click install. Um, I know this won't be relevant for most people because Linux has a very small desktop uh, consumer mind share, uh, uh, market share, sorry although obviously uh, it's used a lot in the um, server department. But those that's the only time I've seen an App Store work well. I agree with you. The Microsoft App Store just doesn't work. It's just quicker to go to the website and get the .exe file to ex install something that's already on the Microsoft Store. You know, um, and when I a word of warning to any user, any people wanting to purchase a Windows 10S device, this is something that, by default, you can't do. You can't download a, an executable binary file from the internet and install it on your machine. You need to upgrade to Windows 10 Home or Windows 10 Pro to be able to do that. But apart from that, the Surface Go is a great device. Uh, we will be reviewing that for techtravelgeeks.com. Hopefully, if Lukash has time, we could even do a video of that. Speaking of Surface videos, we actually have a review of Lukash's Microsoft Surface 2 on our YouTube channel. It was one of our very first videos, wasn't it, Lukash? Yeah, I think it was our first or second, yeah, second video probably after the S S9. Yep. So, so do check that out. It, I'll put the link in the description to the YouTube video and in the podcast description. Any other tips and tips, uh, tricks, Majid, on your... Um the uh, i think uh, i think we're now drawing to a natural conclusion i think um and uh since we have been talking about philosophy and travel and all sorts of things i thought it would be suitable to finish uh with a uh philosophy joke which By i heard way. today was traveling hence the traveling connection yeah which is 
what's uh, what's the definition of a Freudian slip? I'm worried to ask. Um, a bit of a trip. It's if you it, it's when you say something, but you really mean your mother. <laughs> Lucas gets that. I can see it. I can see it. I can see it. Okay, that. But is that really a joke, or is that just a statement of fact? <laughs> no, no, no. A Freudian slip is when you say something, and you mean something else. Right. But, but the point about Freud is that the pro Freud thought everything, all of human interactions, especially male, were to do with sex and to do with your mother. So therefore, a Freudian slip is when you say something, but you really mean your mother. Okay, I got it now. That's great. Thank you for explaining that to me. I'm a bit slow. <laughs> Lucas, you got it first, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The five years of philosophy paid out for this. <laughs> Very good. Okay, so on that note, uh, Majid, apart from your upcoming Dash Charge article on techtravelgeeks.com, where can people follow you on the internet? Uh, best place is uh, on Twitter at, at the Majido. I also have an Instagram, the name of which escapes me. I think it's also at the Majido. It's been a while since I've used it. Very good. And how about you, Lukash? Apart from your writings and videos on Tech Travel Geeks and the Tech Travel Geeks YouTube channel, where can people follow you? I'm at El Suliga on Twitter and I'm uh, Lukash Suliga uh, on Instagram. So you can check me there. How about you? Very good. So um, as well as on techtravelgeeks.com and the Tech Travel Geeks YouTube channel, you can find me at Todoleo. That's Tango Oscar Delta Oscar lima echo oscar uh and that's both on instagram and twitter and uh that's it uh if you missed uh our last podcast with chris pick that is now published and i will be editing this uh episode of the tech travel geeks podcast at the weekend so expect it's uh ready for your next week we'll be back with another episode on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, and wherever else you get good podcasts from. So thanks for watching and listening, everyone. Good night thanks from us. Thanks for having me, chaps. Thanks for uh, inviting me to the party. Well, you're now one of us, uh, an extra tick in the diversity box because we have an Englishman in our midst. The tech travel geeks have expanded by a whole 50% compared to this time last week. Thanks for joining us, Majid. Thanks again, Lukash. Good night. Good night. Thanks,